Um, I had a sermon prepared this morning, but I don't think it's the sermon I'm going to preach. And this is the first time I've ever done this, and I'm not comfortable doing it. Um, This is taking me very far out of my comfort zone, in fact, because I'm not prepared now. Um, But just looking at the time, (laughs) what I had prepared today was going to take much longer than we have, and I don't want to mess it up. And I want you to be sharp, and I think in order to do that well, to talk about slavery well, uh, we just don't have time for it, and I really don't want to undercut uh, that. At the same time, uh, it's VBS week. It's a weird time to talk about slavery. <laughs> so maybe uh, I'm going to listen to the, the impression laid upon me and go in a different direction. Um, so I'd invite you to turn... To Mark chapter 10. You will be with me and having no notes prepared for the time we're about to have together. But I want to look at Mark chapter 10, verses 13 through 15, and I think you'll see why. Thirteen through sixteen, rather. Mark ten, thirteen through sixteen says, and they were bringing the children to him that he might touch them, and the disciples rebuked them. But when Jesus saw it, he was indignant and said to them, "Let the children come to me. Do not hinder them." For to such belongs the kingdom of God. Truly I say to you, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God like a child shall not enter it. And he took them in his arms and blessed them, laying his hands on them. As Keith mentioned in his prayer, and as you all are no doubt uh, aware, a significant law in a federal, uh, federal law was overturned this week, Roe v. Wade. And like you, I think I've watched the news. I've seen the Twitter discourse, which was totally sane and reasonable all the way around. Uh, I followed along in my own heart and, and tried to assess, where am I? with this? How do I take stock of what has happened? What does this mean for us? Um, And somebody asked me before coming in, are you going to talk about this? And I said, I don't think so. So I'm lying, or at least did lie to them. So a few thoughts. First, and I think this is the first thing I've landed on, it's not the only thing I've landed on, but the first thing is that this is unequivocally good news. Without caveat, without argument, without uh, qualification, as a Christian who believes in the sanctity of life and all life, which would have been a theme for a sermon on slavery, but as a Christian who believes in the sanctity of all life, revoking a law that gives the right to kill the innocent is a good thing. 
Uh, we could talk about the political process of what that means of turning it back to the states and all that. But clearing the way for that will save lives and is a good thing before our God, who, as we read in this text, loves children. Notice what is going on in this section here. And they were bringing children to him that he might touch them. And the disciples rebuked them. Why did the disciples rebuke people who were bringing kids to Jesus? Jesus had a busy ministry. He was a busy man. Lots of people coming to him. Lots of important people coming to him. He's debating with Pharisees and people who are high up in the, in the priesthood. And had all sorts of things going on and all sorts of things to do, people to heal. And why would he pay attention to these little kids who were coming to him? And the disciples were, frankly, thinking logically. Because the children were seen as lower class members of the population. But we learned something about our Lord. He has time for kids. They're a priority for him. Even if they may not be in our culture, one of the common arguments, I think part of the rage we're seeing is due to the fact that so many in our culture and in our world believe that children are a hindrance to their selfish ambitions. I think I saw one sign of people protesting and they had their kids with them at the protest with a sign that says, don't force this on anyone. And I wonder what message that sends to those children. We hear and we read that our Lord Jesus, in the midst of all his busyness, does not see the children as lesser, but as all the time in the world for them. And so ought we. And we can fulfill that ethic in a number of ways. Dads, take a moment to talk to you. Are your kids an impediment to your career and ambition? Or do you have time for your little children? That's convicted me this week. I'm going to be out for the next week and a half or so on you know, vacation. And whenever you do that, you have a lot of busyness and things to get done leading up to that, right? And last, I think it was last night, I went in to visit my youngest daughter and give her a little kiss before or as, after she was in bed, and she said to me, um, don't you go to work? Which was funny and heartbreaking, because that has been the tenor of our conversations recently. I can't right now, Daddy has to work. And that's a check on my spirit. Do I have time for the children in my own home? Are they a priority for me? They were for Jesus, no matter how busy he was. And this is why we do things like VBS, right? Um, part of it, I think, is so that adults can get together and serve and build relations with one another and um, commiserate <laughs> at times together. But part of the reason we do things like VBS, why we have a children's ministry, is to equip us to care for our little ones because we know not only that we love them, but they are valued by God.
This is why our, as many have commented, our, our work as if we were to be pro-life people, and that's a, kind of a political phrase, and, um, but behind that is the ethic of we value life in all its stages. If we're going to be those kinds of people, we are not only um, about laws that facilitate that, but we need to be about the work, as the church always has been, of caring for those who are down and out, those who are most vulnerable. That's why we partner with a group like Advice and Aid. We'll take a moment to talk about them. Advice and Aid is a pregnancy resource center that we partner with. And if somebody says, well, what are you doing to care for mothers and children? That's exactly what Advice and Aid does. So if you want to be about that work, there are wonderful people to partner with. We were at the um, Walk for Life a couple months ago. And they hold them as part of their fundraiser and part of how they create visibility for themselves. And one of the things that struck me as we were walking along, there were counter-protesters there, as there always are around Advice and Aid. There are protesters on both sides, which I think is probably not actually helpful on either side because um, they're right next to a Planned Parenthood, so there's kind of a little battle going on. Um, but we were walking along, and there were counter-protesters that we got to the end as we went back into the... Uh, the lot for advice and aid, and the counter-protesters were, you know, playing vulgar music and chanting and that kind of thing, and they're just d- demonstrating a lot of animosity and hatred, and as we're walking our kids by, it afforded us a wonderful opportunity to talk about why are they so angry? And to talk about this is what it's like when you don't know your creator when you're enslaved to selfishness. And we have had the opportunity to talk frankly about abortion with our kids. And a few days later, one of my daughters prayed before a meal, thank you God that mama didn't kill us. (laughs) Just said it without any malice, just just a very frank thing. We said, yeah, praise the Lord. Praise God Not that we are morally superior, but that we happen to be by the grace of God. For the grace of God go I, we just happen to have God's grace upon us that gave us the ethic that we are going to value our children. We're going to love and be blessed by our kids. And Jesus had that same ethic. But when Jesus saw it, he was indignant and said to them, Let the children come to me. Do not hinder them, for to such belongs the kingdom of God. And he's saying two things there, I think, when he says to such belongs the kingdom of God. He's saying children at a young age can be part of this kingdom. They can be regenerate. They can be born again. They can have the Holy Spirit. Our young people can truly know Jesus. They don't have to be... Um, Adults, well-trained and academics or anything, that, that from a young age, because it's a gift of the Holy Spirit to know who the Lord is, that can happen at a young age. So I think Jesus is saying that, that the kingdom of God belongs not only to adults, but to kids as well. They can be part of the church. And he's also saying something else. I think Jesus is also saying, for to such belongs the kingdom of God, that anybody who's going to be part of the kingdom of God is going to have to enter in by this kind of faith. The faith of a child that just believes and trusts and is totally dependent upon somebody else. 
How many of your eight-year-olds drove you here this morning? None? (laughs) Our kids are here because they're totally dependent upon us. They're going to know their scriptures uh, dependent upon us and whether or not we take the time to invest and teach. It's why when I get back from vacation, we'll be reaching out to dads, talking with you about how are you raising your kids up and instruction and teaching them. Not because dads are the only one who can do it, but because I feel that dads have a special responsibility to make sure that's happening in their home. So my wife, Maggie, does a ton of the teaching in her own home, but it ultimately, I think, when I stand before Jesus in judgment, he's going to say, you're responsible for the home. What happened? So I take that very seriously. I think dads ought to. But we enter into the kingdom by a childlike, dependent faith. And this is important. We enter into the kingdom not by our works, not by our goodness, not by what we've done, and we are not disqualified from the kingdom by what we've done. This is one of the other messages that has to go out this weekend. For all those who are celebrating, there are those who are angry, and then there are others who are just hurting. Struggling with guilt, remorse, what they may have experienced in their own past, the decisions that they've made, even an abortion and wondering, and all my guilt, in the midst of a cultural war going on around me, Where do I fit? And Jesus comes along and says, anybody who has the faith of a child can be part of my kingdom. There is grace, there is forgiveness, there is mercy for all of us. Because it is not dependent on whether or not we've lived a perfect life. Our standing with God is not dependent on whether or not we will live a perfect life, whether we will win the culture war or culture battle around us. Our standing in the kingdom is dependent on one thing. Do we, as the kids sang, trust Jesus? This also reminds us that ultimately we belong to a different kingdom. This world is not our home. We are passing through it. I was talking with uh, some parents yesterday and we were together, I guess maybe bemoaning, (laughs) lamenting the state of our world. It is a mess isn't it? It can be really discouraging. And we are reminded that we are not in the kingdom yet. We live in Babylon. We live in a fallen kingdom full of all sorts of wickedness. And the glory of Scripture is that it shows us how to live in Babylon. That's why the book of Daniel's there. Can you be a faithful Christian, even from a young age, in the midst of evil all around you, 
And scripture tells us, yes, in fact, that's the only way you're going to be a Christian, is living in the midst of evil. It is unavoidable, no matter where you send your kids to school. If they're in your home, that just means they see the evil and wickedness in you. (laughs) But evil and wickedness is going to be there. But as Christians, we have the opportunity to show them God and show them the gospel, show them Jesus Christ, and show them the light in the midst of darkness. And what a wonderful opportunity we have to be citizens of a totally different kingdom. That means we live in a totally different way. Again, this may be one of my encouragements to us as a church, is as we live in the midst of the battle that in many ways is only now just starting, it is going to pick up in fervor and animosity. Be careful how you fight and with what weapons you fight. We are kingdom people. It means we live by a different ethic, not one of hatred, not one of shame and guilt, not one of animosity or violence or any such thing. We live in the kingdom of Jesus Christ, which signals out to all as a beacon, come here and find rest and mercy and life. And that is the kingdom that Jesus advocates. He's the king of that kingdom, and anyone can be a part of it. Verse 16 says, He took them in his arms and blessed them, laying his hands on them. Let us do the same. Amongst one another, with our own children, with mothers and fathers struggling and in need, we have a wonderful opportunity to be people of the kingdom, laying hands, blessing, ministering, serving, just like our King Jesus does. This is a weekend for celebration. It's a weekend for, as we wear our red shirts for VBS, of celebrating the fact that God has given us kids and continues to give us kids. Um, We don't make them idols. They're not the center of our ministry. Jesus is the center of our ministry, and we take his marching orders. But certainly underneath the king, we have warrant and a call to minister. So we celebrate this weekend. We praise God. Pray that this may be a shift and a landmark in our culture while recognizing that ultimately our home is not here. We live in a different and better kingdom where all may enter by the grace of Jesus Christ from the least of them to the greatest. Those are my thoughts this morning. We'll, we'll talk about slavery at another date. I am really excited for that, and I, I didn't want to cut any of it short. So we'll have that talk, and that'll be another important reminder of how God values people, values life, values us by his grace. Would you pray with me? Our Father and God, we praise you this morning. I want to take a moment just to pause and pray and rejoice. 
we know that you are still sovereign and still operating in this fallen world. And that is a wonderful thing, because as we look to our leaders, as we look to us, we might not be all that encouraged by the leadership we find. Um, but we know um, over it all is a good and wonderful God who is sovereign and in control, and nothing happens outside of your good and gracious hands. So we trust in you this morning. We thank you that your son, Jesus Christ, has time for little ones, and we are all little ones. There are no giants in this room. There are none of us who have arrived. All of us are weak and needy and totally dependent upon you for life and salvation. So that's how we come to you this morning um, as those asking for mercy and for help. Help us, Lord, to lay down our arrogance, lay down our pride. Help us to confess our need and fall on your grace. And we thank you that your son and in your son you accept um, all who come to you for mercy. Help us, Lord, to minister well to the kids in our own homes, to those who need help. Let us do this by the strength you provide. We know that even when your son uh, was tired and weary, he took the time to minister to those in need. Let us do the same. And Lord, equip us for the days ahead that we may be a humble and convictional people following Jesus our Lord, representing him wherever we go, being citizens of your kingdom. We love you, Lord. Amen.